I, I, um, I rewrote my sermon at 8 o'clock this morning. <clears throat> I apologize. Actually, I don't. I don't need to apologize. It's going to be better. I'll get into the why in a little bit. Um, a couple of years ago, I lived in Kansas City. Any Kansas City folks out there? Where are the Brunings? There we go. Who else is, who's been to Kansas City? The Joneses have. Go, wow, yeah, look at that. Look at all the love for Kansas City. Um, there are two things you need to know about Kansas City, two things that are uh, really important. Uh, barbecue. Anyone been to um, Oklahoma Joe's in Kansas City? I, I kid you not, I mean, the best barbecue in Kansas City is called Oklahoma Joe's. Um, they've now since rebranded it, and they've called it Joe's KC. Anyway, I digress. You need to love barbecue if you're in Kansas City and you've got to love sports. Chiefs? Yeah. Uh, when I was there, um, how do I say this politely? Uh, Kansas City was suffering through several decades of mediocrity when it comes to sports. <laughs> I think maybe most of the sports fans were probably using that psalm as a form of lament. Like, you do you work wonders in our season of darkness? Uh, now, things changed in 2015 for the sports lovers in Kansas City. The, uh, the hallowed Kansas City Royals, yay Royals, uh, went to and won the World Series, which was like... How could that possibly happen? We're not that good. And yet they somehow were that good. It just like defied logic. And everyone in Kansas City collectively freaked out. It's like everything we've wanted forever and ever has happened. Oh my goodness. Did they eat a lot of barbecue? Uh, the, 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 the climax of this experience, like you see often in... Uh, sporting communities is when the team wins the championship, the event, the trophy, whatever it is, right? What do they do? What do they do at the end? They have a big old parade. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is a picture of the, the, the Royals parade when the Kansas City Royals won the World Series. <clears throat> now, right? I know this is small, right? But um, those little tiny pixelated dots you see, those are all people, um, now, in the background, that's Union Station, the original train station in Kansas City, which is still running today. It's kind of a very popular meeting point and landmark in Kansas City. Um, th- let me see. I think I have another picture from a drone. Uh, let's see. There you go. Now, there were estimated to be 800,000 people at this parade. Now, there are 400,000 people that live in Kansas City. Where the extra 400,000 people came from is beyond me. I don't know. But when people finally get what they want, boy, do we turn out. Do you know what I mean? You see this with every, every sports team. Just leave it on that slide for a little bit. Uh, note some of the, some of the um, militaristic uh, warrior, conqueror, uh, royal, king mentality things going on here, right? The, the victors return into the city, champions. There's literal fanfare for the royals. Get it, royals, kings, right? Um, 
they, they, are, they are lifted up. We don't, we don't do this in any other way today. Like when someone is elected to public office, we don't actually lift them up and carry them around through the city. Thank God. But if you win a World Series, yup, we're going to cut the top off of a bus and put you on top, and we're going to drive you all around these 800,000 people so everyone can see you and wave. And then, you know, it's just all this fanfare. My goodness. When we get what we want, boy, do we turn out. That's what fanfare is like. That, mm, that, is, that is the definition, I believe, of triumphant. Would you agree? Now, this ought to be contrasted to what happens when we don't get what we want. Uh, we have grown familiar with this in the last two years. The number of protests, rallies, marches that have occurred in our country. Here's a picture of um, the day after Inauguration Day. This is the Women's March in Washington, D.C. People collectively saying, this is not a parade. No one is being lifted up here. We're trying to lift everyone up. We're trying to change something because things are not the way that we want. Things have to change. We've seen this growing, growing movement of people in our country saying enough is enough. Similar to the parades, we say we got to get together, we have to make noise, we have to change something. And yet, I don't know if I would use the word triumphant here. Would you? Boy, it was a triumphant women's march. I'm curious about this. Did anyone, uh, did anyone attend the March for Our Lives that happened yesterday? You did? Anyone else? Um, if you don't know, so the, the March for Our Lives was um, in a, 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 a march, a, a protest, a rally that is really only a couple weeks old. So not even a month ago, there was a mass shooting at a, at a high school in Parkland. Dozens of kids were killed. And other kids in the school said, oh, that, enough is enough. And so the kids started their own movement. Something that I think the Bible would say is rather prophetic. So these kids got together and created an actual national movement. So yesterday there were marches happening all across the world. Over a million people attended these marches. The one in Seattle had 70,000 people at it. Here in our, in our, in our hometowns. Yeah, I got to tell you, um, I, went to the, I went to this march and, um, man, I can't shake it. And it forced me to rewrite my sermon at 8 o'clock this morning. You know, my first exposure to gun violence was when I was six years old. I came home from school on Valentine's Day and found out that my uncle had been shot and killed. It was a, it was a hunting accident. 
But in an accident, the person who had the gun shouldn't have had a license. And the gun that they were using was way too powerful for hunting. I still believe to this day that if we had better regulations over guns, that my uncle might still be alive. Six years old. I've been a part of, of many marches and rallies and protests over the last couple of years. This is the first time I noticed the strong presence of children. Did you notice that? My goodness. What is a child supposed to do when they watch the news seeing that the victims aren't often people that look like us but are six-year-olds? The number of signs that said, uh, I'm afraid to go to school. Please don't make me one of the next victims. To hear children leading chance for, for our lives, not, not just for one party's life, not just for one niche of the world's life, but for our lives, saying, we, listen, we have to make this world a better place. Children are doing that. And I couldn't shake it. Think about that happening in the context of even a Palm Sunday. I'll get to that in a minute. You know, I, I, I fundamentally believe that in 2018, for us to live into our mission, which is to try to transform the world, and shoot, I would just settle for our own communities, but to transform the world not through aggression or violence or power or stronger rhetoric, but through the way of Christ, the, the ways of Christ. I think one of the ways that that can happen is not actually through protests and rallies. I think those are a movement. But for me individually, I think it involves having one-to-one conversations with the people I don't want to talk to anymore. You've heard me say this before. Listen, sign me up for the next rally. I'll go to all of them. It's great. I feel moved. Force me to have a conversation with my family about gun control? No. Not going to do that. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering for myself, what, what, what am I really called to do here? Participate in the fanfare? Or lay down my own life? my own ego, my own comfort for the sake of maybe trying to move the world one millimeter forward. I, got a, 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 I posted something on social media last night, you know, the picture of this young girl, and I said, this is, this is remarkable that a young girl is leading this, this, this movement. She's literally leading songs, and... Um, I went back and forth on whether or not I should share this. I feel, I feel really honest sharing it. Um, I had a family member, a family member, send me a message saying, we, we honored the march today by going and buying a new gun. I think it matters for me to share that to you because you have that same person in your life, yeah? 
I don't see much progress happening when two people argue over Facebook, <laughs> which we all know how to get into. Um, so I took a different approach. I sat down and I wrote a letter. This person doesn't live close by. I, I composed the letter. It was three paragraphs. So it took me an hour and a half to write. And I fundamentally believe that if I can actually sit down and try to bring about a more meaningful, substantive conversation, that maybe things might change. They may not change drastically, but they might move one millimeter forward. I told this family member, you know, when I marched today, I marched for everyone's lives. And for me, I, I marched seeing six-year-olds around me, and in them, I saw myself. I remember when I had to process gun violence at the age of six. And so to say that you, you remember this day by purchasing a gun is deeply hurtful. Words hurt. What we say can either destroy people or it can actually build them back up again. And so what I said to my family member was, listen, I'm strong enough to, to handle this, and I think you knew that, which is probably why you did it in the first place. But the next person may not be. It may break them. So I want to bring a conversation into this, because words matter, and maybe the next time this happens, you might act differently. You could actually act differently. A single person can act differently, can say something differently. It might not happen, though, without an honest conversation, without putting my own family relationships and comfort on the line. I'll tell you what, Thanksgiving is not going to be a joy this year. But what is the substance that I want my life to be made out of? What is it that I'm actually called to? Comfort? Getting things the way I want and then throwing a parade for it? To transform the world in the way of Christ is a way that is not first, it's last. It's a way where we lay down our own lives for the lives of others. The way of Jesus is more often than not down than up. It is challenging and not comfortable. I think about all this happening in the context of Palm Sunday. I, I confess I, I have this um, angst about Palm Sunday. The word that's used so often is the word triumphant. Yeah, it's Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. I, I, would, ask, I would ask you, what, what is triumphant about this? What is triumphant about this? Yes, the king is coming into town, but it's not the king that we thought was arriving. Yes, the, 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 the ruler and messiah is here, but the way that this ruler and messiah uses power is different than the way that we might have assumed. We've heard this story many, many, many times. I think we've overlooked the fact that the Triumphant part is ironic. In Greek, ironia, it is a half-truth. Yes, Jesus is arriving, but this king may be the king we get. It is not the king that we want. 
the, the laying down of palm branches was an act reserved for military commanders coming back from war. It's fanfare. You lay down palm branches, the king who has destroyed and conquered, the king who is newly elected, rides into the city of Jerusalem on a great white stallion. And the path from the entrance of the gate to the temple is covered with palm branches. This was a practice that everyone was very familiar with. And in hearing that Jesus, the one that everyone had been talking about for maybe a year or so, a lot of, a lot of uh, chatter had been growing, everyone was thinking, is this the one? They even used the word Messiah, the chosen ruler. Is this the one? The king of kings? So when the chosen ruler arrives into the great city, the capital, Washington, D.C., how is this person greeted? Well, with palm branches. Yeah. The king is here. All four gospels talk about the, the palm branches. But all four Gospels have a very different story to tell. In Matthew, Jesus arrives and everyone chants, Hosanna, which means God save us, come save us. Now in five days, those chants, Hosanna, are quickly going to turn to crucify him. This is the same crowd, the same city. Everyone came out to greet the king. But as so often is the case, a crowd mentality can take over. What are we rooting for? What's the fanfare? The king is here. Oh, great. Five days later, what are we rooting for? We We want that guy to die. Okay. Crucify him. I've wondered so many times what it must have been like for Jesus to hear those cries of Hosanna. Save us. I wonder if it felt like mocking. Will you let me? Will you let me save you? Will you let me be the one to lay down my life? I have a feeling these chants might quickly turn, as is so often the case in our own lives. I think it was gut-wrenching to come into the city to end the pilgrimage knowing that this might be it. Knowing that violent and oppressive systems so often still have the last say that what is often needed is to lay down your very life. Which is why in the Matthew story after Jesus is greeted with chants of Hosanna he goes into the temple and turns over a bunch of tables This guy's angry. In Mark, he walks up to the same temple and curses a fig tree. He curses. He swears at a tree and it dies. In Luke, he simply walks up to the temple, turns around, looks back at the parade, the trail littered with palm branches, and weeps. 
The Gospel of John is the only text that includes a donkey. Perhaps the opposite of a great white stallion. Although the story does tell us that John, that Jesus only goes to get the donkey after seeing the palm branches. That they arrive, they say, oh, did they get the palm branches out? They thought I was that kind of type of king? Where can I find the nearest donkey? We can't quite get to the story of Easter without going through the story of Palm Sunday. Which is to say that the Christ has arrived in our life. But unless we too are willing to lay down our own lives, lay down our own rights and privileges, lay down our own ways that we want things to go, it'll kill. It will oppress and it will control. You, you, you simply cannot have a resurrection, which is the story of Easter. You cannot have a resurrection without a death. And that is not always meant to be literal. It means that sometimes in our own lives, we have to let go of things so that new things can be born. So I have my, myself um, in a bit of a predicament, wondering what it's going to look like for me this year to lay down my own life, my own comfort and privilege to be a part of a world that is changing for the better. I would like to continue going to, per, to, <laughs> to uh, protests and to rallies and to marches, but I want to make sure that I'm not just waving my palm branches. I need to lay down my very life, my own comforts. That is the way of Jesus. As a church, that's what we've said will transform the world. That's the way of Christ. Not riding in on a great white stallion. But finding the least of these in our communities. And aligning ourselves with them even if it means letting go of things that we care about or important to us. So I would encourage you this Palm Sunday, this Holy Week, and in this coming year to consider the ways that we wave our palm branches, which is a good sign for the king that you might need. The question is whether or not we're aware of that. Because I think more often than not, Jesus might not be the king that we've wanted, but is definitely the king that we need. The question is whether or not we're going to accept that. Because the way is going to look different. It's not going to look like the rulers, the sources of power in our world today. And if at the end of the day we are still chanting Hosanna, which I think we should, I believe that God can save us, we should probably also remember 
but it matters whether or not we'll let God save us. That's the story of Palm Sunday. This is day one of Holy Week. This is how it begins. From here we go through a Good Friday, a death, and then we end up at an Easter. I believe that that is the rhythm for our own lives. That may be idealistic. Maybe I'm bravely naive. But I still believe that when we let things die in our lives, new things are born. It's what I found to be so moving about the march that I was at yesterday. I felt like new things were being born. To see people say, you know, I, I'm a lifelong NRA member and I'm going to give up my membership in order to be a part of something new. I think that's a form of resurrection. To say that I've been in a position of power, I'm going to give that up so that something new can be created in our world. I think that's a form of resurrection. To be part of a community or a family and say, I'm going to name a conversation that we're not having. I think that's a form of resurrection. I think for us to be Easter people, this is what it looks like for us. And I'm wondering if you'll join me in that journey over the next week, over the next year.